When I get that feeling, I need a sexual feeling. Sexual feeling. That sounded like Tom Petty singing Thanks. sexually. That's Thanks, I, man. I take that as a massive compliment. Yeah, you, that was pretty good, actually. Good job. Well, I can't sing this song without blushing. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm kind of blushing right now. You can't see it on the video, but uh, welcome to the Stoner's Point of View. My name is Brett. I'm here with my co-host, TP, the total package. Terrell Parker, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm great, man. And uh, of course, Phil. Hey, I'm doing just dandy. I'm so happy right now. Uh, I'm just really high and I don't know what to say. Sorry. I'm not sorry. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're high. I mean, the show, it kind of uh, centers around being high and uh, exploring various media, songs, and movies. And uh, we're here to break them down for you today. We have a whale of a show. It's going to be uh, a pretty good. We're doing, as you would have heard in the intro, uh, Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye is our song. And I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. There's, there's actually more to unpack in that song than you think, especially when you kind of do a little bit of real research like not the research where we just get high and listen to it but like the research where you actually look into it a bit there's actually some, yeah, where some, you get high and look into it a bit yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah um so it's actually interesting and then for our movie uh i just uh you know i want to tap into that childhood uh experience and go back to teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 secret of the use and i'm glad i did it was it was a good time anyways um, that's the show for tonight uh yeah oops. Take care, Wade, and we will see you next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's open with a little bit of a open forum here. How, how are you guys doing this week? What's uh, what's new and exciting? Let's keep our keep our listeners uh, in the loop. Anyone? No. I mean, we're in lockdown, bro. That good, eh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm honestly, I well, my kid started saying "dada" today. So, hey, that's something. Pretty boss. Um, um and uh oh and i also got some nice earbuds and those are sick nice nice uh i i can appreciate a good uh set of buds that's for sure um all right well uh i was gonna say let's get right into this song but first i'm gonna throw you guys a curveball and bring back everybody's favorite segment rogan or rogan where you guys have to decide whether the quote that I list is from our boy Joe Rogan or big fan of the show, notable uh, two-timer on the show, Seth Rogan. So uh, I'm going to get right to that, and we'll see how you guys I'm do this time. Here. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, I'm pumped. I think, I think, I think Phil's uh, winning breaker. the Rogan or Rogan battle right oh, now. Oh, yeah, it's two to one. It's two to one. But, but this, hey. But who's keeping score? Not me. This, Not could, me. Be the com- <laughs> this could be the comeback one, all right? So here's, here's quote number one. Aspire to be the man you pretend to be when you're trying to get laid. Oh, uh, that's Seth Rogen. Yeah, Seth Rogen. Uh, oh. It is a Joe Rogan quote. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sign it. Quote number two. I am lazy, but for some reason I am so paranoid that I end up working hard. Seth Rogen. Um, I'm going to say Joe Rogan. It's Seth Rogen. Oh. Fills up one. Oh, this could be this could be a commanding lead here. All right, here we go. Quote number three for all the marbles. The good thing about LA is that there's always someone more famous a hundred yards away from me. That's Seth Rogen. Joe Rogan. 
It's Seth Rogen! Oh. Tie game, boys! Do you have a tiebreaker? I, I would like do a sudden, sudden death tiebreaker, but I just didn't care enough to come oh, up with more man. than three. So. That's the problem with having a show about being a stoner. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I, I thought it through as far as uh, coming up with three quotes. And then, uh, so you guys are just going to have to... I guess that one just gets expunged from the record and Phil's still up 2-1. Unfortunately, <laughs> they just um, negate each other. It just uh, we never played that game. It, yeah, it never happened. Time. Jedi mind trick. It never happened, guys. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty glad uh, we brought that segment back. And now let's get to the the meat and potatoes of the show. We're gonna get into our song. It's uh, sexual healing. And uh, first thing I noticed about this song when it kicks in is there's some sweet whispering. Get up, get up, and like a wood block, like clicking in the background before like the actual music comes in it's like <laughs> and, oh it's just great the yeah. guitar's just got this chilling vibe and you're just like dip, dip, dip. it's just really great even right off the hop i've got some nerdy notes on that too the, the whispering part uh you're hearing where he says get up wake up uh, uh yeah. or whatever he says there it's not actually uh, uh marvin gay singing that it's like one of his mentors from like way back in his motown days mm. uh i i can't remember the exact specifics of it but it's yeah it's a guy he worked for like or he worked with and kind of for as like a like a, a backing band member uh like way back in like the 60s or maybe even earlier right well I just, uh, one thing I noted here is that as much as is going on, and there's a lot going on, like uh, one thing that stuck out to me was the the backup vocals, like the, mm. baby, I love you. Like, it's just like, it's just really, like, I, I really like when songs will use backups as like their own part to kind of just like be the glue behind the song. I'm a big fan of that. But uh yeah, I, I mean, I love Marvin Gaye's voice. The lyrics are not amazing. <laughs> like, they're obviously about... It's kind of embarrassing to talk about. I was realizing now that we're on the podcast, like, because just reading the lyrics, like, I, I, am in, I am so deeply embarrassed that, like, I don't know why. I well, just how, many, how many different right? ways can you say, like, I really need to get laid? <laughs> Right. yeah well, like yeah like it's just it's so but i i would actually i would i would counter that and i would say it's actually it's so just like what do they call it like uh on the nose that uh like it's actually kind of brilliant like it's like i just realized it's like it's like what's that sound the wop like wet ass yeah. pussy or whatever <laughs> uh like it's 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 that from what back I guess in the day the 80s yeah yeah well and what's funny is like the the healing part of it like he wrote this song while um, he was getting over some droogs in thanks, europe yeah exactly thanks uh songfacts.com shout out songfacts uh but yeah he was he was in a resort town uh in belgium and like was lovely trying place to... belgium by the way if you've never been highly recommend it nice <laughs> Yeah, he's trying to rehab off some drugs and then uh, wrote this song in the process. But also, apparently, he had, like, a pretty extensive, like, porn collection and was, like, hugely addicted to it. And, like, so one of his uh, friends, a pretty renowned writer, David Ritz, kind of, like, gave him the idea for the song. And what's noteworthy about that is that um, Marvin Gaye didn't actually credit him as a songwriter for any of that. And they yeah. had a big falling out because of it. And I'll tell you why. So imagine, Brett, I was like, hey, Brett, read this naughty comic book about sodomachism and write some lyrics. It'll be a great time. You're not going <laughs> to go out and tell everyone, hey, 
I got inspiration uh, from this really creepy book that I found in a creepy store, <laughs> and I wrote this extremely creepy song. Well, no, uh, Trello, it wasn't even that. It was that uh, he actually caught Marvin Gaye with like or he he saw Marvin Gaye with all these crazy like uh yeah like sadomasochism comic books and was like yo dude you need like sexual healing but like he yeah. meant it in the sense of like right healing like, from your sexual yeah, like, addiction yeah yeah that's exactly what I was the point I was making is like but, he caught him with his creepy comics and like that that's not the story that happened yeah so yeah back to the actual song itself um the one thing i will know is that after the chorus it does this key change that i thought oh, was yeah. really cool it kind of gives it a fun little jazz chord progression vibe and i was really loving it at that point part of it was because i was really high and it was the kind of music that like when you're really baked you just start to vibe and chill out on yeah um, well and the production on it is just great like it's yeah. just such a, like actually i the new headphones I, I mentioned earlier i was listening to that to uh uh, sexual healing with them today and yeah it was just like so nice and crisp it's uh yeah just great production yeah it's, yeah. it's an amazingly well-written song because like a lot of the main part is like standard kind of chords like a d and a b minor to like a g and a d and a but like you said after it goes after the the verse two where he's talking about he needs sexual healing uh whenever the blue tear drops or fall in that part like that's actually like a a different key change where it's yeah. up to like an uh an f sharp and a c sharp chord to get thrown in the mix there right I that, and i don't know what that is technically but it's really cool yeah <laughs> well the, it just conjured like jazz vibes how they'll like completely change keys to a different vibe like mid-song yeah lots of songs do that like the beatles were known for doing that like and so it was like nirvana lots of bands do that kind of stuff but it's not really like a musician-y thing they're just like hey I'm just going to change it here for, and it doesn't really make any sense, but it sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for the, the music nerds listening that may care, um, like a, a very musician-y uh, kind of fact about this song is it's one of the first songs to use the Roland TR-808 drum yeah. machine. Yeah. And it was definitely the first mainstream song that did that. And It's definitely uh, the biggest song that uses that thing. Right. I think, I think one of the things I, I love about this song it's not the, the the musicianship or the lyrics or any of the backstory. It's just that it evokes this like image of like dudes trying to get down with it, like in movies and shows. Like it always comes on. <laughs> like it, yeah. it's such like a pop culture thing. I feel like right. This, yeah. This well, any on. Yeah. anytime there's gonna be some like like funky town scene in a movie, <laughs> like you can expect some Marvin Gaye to come on. Like like his family must make just a boatload yeah. of money like just well, laughing at creepy because it just it just to... comes in with the baby and like everybody knows you're in for a good time right like, i think a lot of marvin Gaye's songs come in with a baby <laughs> i think there needs to be more babies in songs like people people are too attached to writing like these deep intricate lyrics and hey i'm i'm guilty as charged like i love writing sweet lyrics but sometimes you just want like a baby you know you gotta have more babies bring back the baby um but yeah the the honestly it goes in kind of a loop like the second verse and and chorus and key changes very similar to the first not much to really talk about lyrics are still about having sex and um yeah so there wasn't yeah. really any well one thing i will say is all throughout this song at least at least i felt like like the like the synths and the guitar like there's a very light 
you know, guitar uh, mm. aspect to it, but they're well, blend like, so well that you kind of lose track of which is which at certain points, like when it gets to like the plucking parts and whatnot. Yeah, uh, I thought that was yeah. actually really interesting about the song, just uh, like on like a on like a just even like just like a pure sonic level. It was uh, pretty mm -hmm. pretty impressive. It's just mixed very well and. Like, it's so smooth like it sounds like smoothness in the air like, yeah <laughs> everything's so clean and like it just all goes together so well and it's crazy to think that he was like leaving motown was like obviously and not in the best place of his life like literally left murka to go to europe where you can are allowed to do weird stuff apparently and <laughs> like he just hung out in belgium and then came out with midnight love which is like post motown album which had sexual healing on it and obviously this was like a big deal for, for him. And it was like the number one on all the, the charts and it was a huge, huge success for him. Like he won a Grammy and a best male R&B vocal uh, <laughs> because of sexual healing. You know what I mean? Like, and to think like, that's the thing that I love about this song is it's such a pop culture song, but it came from this really, you know, the classic like loser artistic story. If you think about it, like just some guy doing drugs by himself in Europe, right? Well, and it's a classic case song. of what happens when you are an incredible songwriter and you have incredible production value behind your songs, but then you have lyrics that are just like instantly identifiable by like 99% of the male demographic. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So you know people that like aren't even appreciating the depth musically that the song is like, going through are still well, he's, like oh he's talking about getting laid man well, <laughs> that, and that's, rip, like, that's not fair to him man like because he started off as like a drummer and he like played in different motown groups yeah exactly and, and he can play piano keyboards since. oh dude outstanding musician yeah he's and that's a crazy what i mean musician. like it's just it's just this song in particular is one of those right mixes where like diehard fans of the art of music appreciate it and can't help but appreciate it because it's like it's marvin Gaye and he's awesome but then also your like casual person who may not be super musically inclined can be like, Hey, I, I, I know what this song's about. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. something there for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. He's got a lot of yeah. really good songs. Like what's going on is obviously such a classic like song, but I just love the tone of his music. It, it kind mm -hmm. of, it, it was kind of, he was kind of a badass is the really the way to think about it. Like think mm -hmm. about like coming out with sexual healing. It's so like overt and, it became this weird hit, like Phil said it, like it's really on the nose. Like it's one of those weird songs that kind of gets away with being yeah, like what it's about, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and actually, there's one thing I don't know if I know what he means when he's saying, uh, uh, what is it? <laughs> Just any part of the song. Honey, I know you'll be there to relieve me. Or or you know like the last line where he's like masturbation is not good. <laughs> that part is the if I if we if I can skip ahead to that part, if I may, like that's the best because like when you listen to the song and you like you know, it's obviously not on regular rotation in my playlist. Yeah, well, maybe it should be. Um but it's yeah. Number it's it would be masturbate and you're just like what the fuck like, it, it would be it would be hilarious if that was in your rotation imagine just like when we're allowed to currently in a pandemic but when we're allowed to actually congregate in groups again just like we're listening there's all these fun songs and then all of a sudden sexual <laughs> just yeah. comes on and the doors yeah. lock in phil's house <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um I will put it on a playlist, but I actually did already put it on a playlist. Uh, Wade, if you're listening, the Stoners POV playlist on Spotify. Uh, yeah, yes, I just added we need that to today. hype that up more. We need to hype that up more because every song that we've done 
on this show is on that playlist and it's just getting bigger. So, uh, can you guys believe this is actually song number 233 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time? I so can. It is, it is yeah. on someone's playlist. Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs. Yeah, of all exactly. Time playlist. <laughs> like an all time playlist. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll say, like, from just like going through the song is what I like in the outro is when it comes back to the background vocals. Once again, I want to reiterate how like much that stuck out to me. Like, you, you know, you're just like sonically enhanced when you're high. And for me, the background vocals were really sticking out yeah, as like, sound amazing. Oh man, they did a really great job. And he has like a, you could tell it's like three people like doing the hum da, da. <laughs> you know, like they're all just like, Oh, it's, oh, it's crazy man. to think. Cause like I love when, it. when you record vocals, and this is very like musicy. If you sing the wrong harmony or whatever, you're like, oh, cool, delete. But if you're singing yeah. the seven part harmony on the end of your song you've been working <laughs> three months on, and it's like, okay, uh, Marvin, please don't hit a D sharp, hit a D. And there was no auto tune yeah, exactly. back then. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, and that was on tape. Like, when, when this song, when was it recorded again? Like, it was at 83? Uh, between 81 and 83, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometime so, in that range, though. Yeah, it came yeah out, so it they're doing all that on analog. It was released in 82, and he wrote it, like, before that, like, in 81. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, so you can imagine the depth of, like, like, how would you even produce a song this well? back then like i can't even imagine the amount of frustration and hours in the studio and like you oh, know what I, I would uh, very expensively uh yeah, that's yeah. how you would do it because yeah like that's a lot of that's a lot of just studio gear you're hearing between the instruments and your ear you know so it's yeah. uh yeah it's, it's it's amazing what they what they could do back then but just the the absolute actual physical scale of getting that sound like is just ridiculous that's what I was just going to say. Like one of the things that people love about this song is like, you know, he sings the verses and then there's that chorus with the, like the synthesizer and stuff that comes in and like the rhythm guitar. Um, if you're a musician recording this to tape is very hard to do all those things and not make it sound like poo poo. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, I think the thing is, um, I think people used to appreciate, appreciate musicians more back when you actually had to have like this invested talent in playing. Cause whereas nowadays, like anyone can record like i record and i'm not very yeah. good at it well and and <laughs> and timing like like yeah there you might have a metronome you know you might have a producer yelling at you saying you're above the beat you're on top of the beat you idiot <laughs> <laughs> speaking of crazy producers did you hear phil specter died oh yeah uh, the guy who came up with the wall of sound and then later went on to murder a woman oh no yeah. <laughs> well, rocket, rock and roll history is full of interesting characters. Well, I, I, uh, I guess I'm glad he's dead then. <laughs> yeah, he, he was not a good guy. He's Marvin Gaye was a cool guy. Yeah, he, yeah. He wrote All right. A lot of cool songs. All right. So we've uh, we've sung the praises of Marvin Gaye here now for uh, a little while. So let's let's get to it. What do you what do you guys give this song out of ten? Um, I'll go first. You know what? It's not it's not my song, you know, like it's someone else's song. Mm -hmm. And I get that it's, it's Marvin's song and like he wrote it and it is an incredible song. Um, it's just not something I'm like on my playlist as, as you said earlier, it's just not something I'm listening to. I get its cultural impact. I get how awesome it is as a musician it is yeah. like an undeniable force. Uh, and I wish I could write a song like this, but it's not my favorite song in the world. So I'm going to give it like 8.5 just cause it's really good. 
and I really do like it, but it's, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, it's, it, just as you said, Terrell, it's not, uh, it's not my song for sure, but I can definitely see people uh, vibing to this song hard. Um, and like next time I go on a, on a vacation somewhere warm, once all this madness ends, like it's definitely going to be on my, on my, uh, on my, you know, uh, Caribbean playlist. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to give it like a 7.5 and I would say I might give it higher if like, if the, if the, the lyrics of this song, like didn't make me blush like a little schoolgirl. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. For me, this is the definition of a song that falls somewhere between seven and eight, but I think because of the timelessness of it, because like we're talking 30 years now, no, 40, 40 years. Yeah. 40 bro. 40 <laughs> years. The song's been think. around and it's still like anybody could hear it and be like, Oh, that song. So I feel like the timelessness has to give it a couple extra points. So uh, let's go with the, Seven point seven five for me. There we go. Nice. See, I give it a higher ranking. Just like the thing is, the cultural impact sometimes I feel sometimes yeah. overshadows a lot of other things. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, it's pretty, it's pretty like hardcore for him to sing like this. It is oh hard. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not being a prude about it. It's just like it's just like so overt, as you yeah, said. It's just it's like hilarious. it's just like it's a little uncomfortable. It's not like, my it's personality. Like, like, like I would, if I was like if I just was like sat and I was like Terrell. Like I'm so horny right now. Like I'm just gonna call my wife. Like it's not like it's not a comfortable situation. And and this song does that in my ear. Imagine yeah. jamming it. Like you're jamming with Marvin. He's like, oh, yeah. and he's like, God, it's sexual. I want to get up <laughs> on you. And he's like jamming it, like looking at you in the eyes, like singing and shit. Like be like, bro. I like you're a good singer and all, but good singer lyrics. I, I don't know. I feel like if I was in the room in the moment, the the sexual energy might get to me. I don't know. It's Marvin Gaye, man. It is, yeah. And he might make me Marvin Gaye. Yeah. I don't know. So. Thank you for saying what I was thinking, bro. Um, and with that, I I think we need to shut down the song portion of this episode of the podcast so if you are an advertiser and you would like to uh, pay us some money to have a spot right now <laughs> on our podcast where we make <laughs> jokes like and then i'd be marvin gay i mean it's 2021 man if, if you can't normalize gayness by now like when can you um but uh if you're an advertiser and you'd like to uh, pay us money to have a product be talked about and have a little nice 60 second radio ad produced by us um, we're pretty good at that kind of thing. And uh, we'd love to take your money. So this would be the spot to do it. And uh, we hope we'll be getting those calls at stonerspov at gmail.com. Yeah, and at well, don't the call POV. Our, our email. But... Sorry? <laughs> yeah. Please don't call, call our email. Because no but one's I, waiting I, to pick it up. Well, we don't actually have a number to call. You, like, you, you, you can't call they, they us. Might, they might hang out with us, Brett. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> then then they can call our email. Imagine, isn't that isn't that what calling email is? Imagine is that Nike even a thing still hangouts. Oh yeah. So. Imagine, oh, yeah. Imagine Nike calls us just like bling, 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 bling. hi. Uh, is this the Stoners with the point of view? <laughs> uh, are are you the guys that say, that uh, covered Marvin Gaye? Like <laughs> yeah, we love the this jokes. episode. <laughs> this episode gets us all kinds of sponsors. Anyways, we've rambled on now, folks. Thanks thanks for dealing with us, Wade. Uh, we hope you had a couple of chuckles in there, but uh, we're going to go to our first break and we're going to come back after the jump with TMNT2, The Secret of the U's, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to get into this one. Whew.
Welcome back to the second part of Stoner's Point of View. We're about to get into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. And uh, I just want to start by saying, I watched this movie on DVD. I actually own the DVD for it. And remember DVDs? Yeah. uh, So I had forgotten, you know, take out the clunkiness and the fact that you got to get the disc and blah, 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 all the, all the negative things you can think of about DVDs. Like, just menu music with special features and, like, screen options and all sorts of cool stuff. Like, I don't know, there was a charm to DVDs that I kind of miss. And now I know, yeah. now I know, like, how when our parents used to talk about eight tracks, how they had, like, a certain fondness for them because they grew up with them or whatever. I don't know, maybe that's just my old man nostalgia kicking in, but... It's not even nostalgia, man. It's the, when you own, like, a physical piece of media... It's yours forever, minus like the chords and the player and special passcode you may need to, <laughs> to access it. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, I, I think that it is special. Like I have like a lot of really random, weird, like movie stuff and video game stuff. And you know what? I treasure those little things. Yeah, I, I miss special DVD features. When you said that, Brett, that just hit me right in the feels, man. Like, yeah. I, I loved all that behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I don't know how many times I watched the movie The Matrix on DVD. Oh, I, I have a box set of all of them. I have a Dark Knight <laughs> box set with all of them. has all, like, the back, like, the cutscenes and stuff. Like, thing is, is yeah. it, it's something that you just... If it's a movie that you're going to re-watch anyways, you mm. might as well buy the really cool one with, like, the book and the music and all the extras. Like, yeah. Now, Brett, when you say you watched it on, on DVD, like actual DVD or Blu-ray? No, DVD. Now, did you find that it looks like shit on, your, on like a modern television? Uh, not really, no. Hmm. Um, I, I thought it looked fine. Uh, there, I don't think it had the upscaling that like, you know, I, I've definitely watched older movies on your TV, Phil, and I noticed that there's like a specific type of like effect that happens that makes it look very much like, you're seeing on set of that movie yeah, they call it the soap opera effect yeah and and so i i can definitely i know what you're talking about but no i didn't have any of that with with this particular watch through yeah you wouldn't because it's all like puppets and stuff like it's not it's all it's no like computer effects it's all like lighting and things it probably wouldn't have really that much yeah. of a difference on the quality of it no uh, well i wasn't even referring to the uh to like to the soap opera oh, you just what, I, like... what i meant like just actually actual quality wise and the reason why i ask is i think the last dvd i tried to play uh was the, uh like lord of the rings box set mm. and uh, and it just looked like shit on my setup how big is your, like, big is your tv is it over 50 inches no it's a 47 but it was just i don't know it's just i think it was just like the resolution just made it look like crap but anyways okay. we're going off on a tangent here yeah, that's okay it's a stoner's <laughs> point of view yeah, stoners, stoners <laughs> understand that Obviously. tangents are a thing <laughs> and speaking of tangents um i don't know this probably doesn't exist with all copies of the movie because uh when it came out jim henson was still alive but this said uh in memory of jim henson on the version yeah, i watched it said yeah. it on mine too on netflix and the first thing uh I thought it was just like how his movies always have a certain type of like enjoyment to them and, and a timelessness to them, the way that he constructed his puppets and stuff. Like, you, you know, like early nineties, um, like CGI and, and attempts at that kind of stuff they sometimes don't good. hold up. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
because the technology just wasn't there. But with this kind of stuff, it's it's very practical and so it's very timeless. And it also made me want to watch Labyrinth. So we should do Labyrinth on the show sometime because just like that's another instance of like Jim Henson just doing some magical work. But anyways, back to uh, Turtles. It comes in with a nice cityscape shot, sweet music. And uh, everyone's Lots eating pizza. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I actually had to stop the movie and put a pizza in the oven. Yeah. Not, no word of a lie. How bunga, dude. That's, that's amazing, like, marketing right there. But, yeah, then we get introduced to Kino, the pizza guy, though we don't know his, like, name yet or anything or that he's even a main character. But Because he's just made up for the show. Like, one yeah. of the things that I – okay. So I did some research on this because this used to be, like, one of my favorites. Kino mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of this – um movie where like basically they were like hey you know what we already make a buttload of money off of this story in the cartoons and like what we already Mm -hmm. have so let's use new stuff for the movies wrong (laughs) well i i I don't i don't know if i agree with that i think i think toka and razor can f off yeah, we want Bebop and rock steady yeah we want Bebop and rock exactly (laughs) i i I agree with that um yeah yeah, he's got Kino's got all these cheesy one-liners, no pun intended. Um, but then he promptly busts into this action scene, which, by the way, the action scenes in this movie are awesome. Yes. Like, it's, it's basically, I, I think the reason it doesn't appeal to everyone, even though it's freaking Ninja Turtles, so it should, um, it's a martial arts movie with puppets, is basically what it is. And you know so if what? you like martial arts movies... Like, you'll know that martial arts movies aren't generally the most story-driven or plot-driven, riveting, you know, films. They're, they're there for the ass-kicking. And you know what, though? To be the devil's advocate, though, when you watch this when you're a kid, it's really cool. As an adult, though, this movie, I feel, certainly lacks the darkness and adultness of the first movie. And it goes in more of, like, a kid-like direction. Right, but I feel like the cartoon was that as well. I feel like... And I wanted to get I'm into this. It's a bad. Li- I'm just saying that. Well, I, I wanted to get into this a little bit later um, because there's been so many iterations of Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. like from the super dark comics, which were like extremely graphic, the original comics and stuff. So, like, I feel like they've just taken this intellectual property and they've just done so many different iterations with it. Um, and this this is just another one of those. And um, like I said, martial arts movie with puppets, and the puppets happen to be the freaking Ninja Turtles. So. It is a sweet movie. Yeah, like, yeah. it is a great movie. Like, I'm not going to try to gloss over how, like, stoked I was when this yeah. movie and came so, out. Yeah, and so, anyways, uh, movie-wise, the turtles show up at this point. There's a decent little scrap. And then, um, yeah, I just, I just, I found myself, like, doing individual, like, character archetype analysis of each Ninja Turtle. And... Listen, I, I love Raphael. I'm a Raphael guy. But in this particular iteration, I think Donatello is my favorite by like a country mile. Yeah, Raphael's a dick in this one. Like he's always yeah. kind of a dick, but he's a dick. In he's this my one. favorite still. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, but yeah, since, since we're on it and we kind of touched on it already, what is your guy's favorite iteration of TMNT? Like, because there's been so many. 
Like, would you would you say the cartoons for nostalgia reasons, or the original comics, or would you say the Michael Bay ones? <laughs> like, oh, I I would say the the cartoons for myself because like that yeah. was just such a big part of, of yeah. my childhood, of childhood and, and obviously yeah. yours too, right? Because like, yeah. if you were a little boy back then, like you had Ninja Turtles, and if you didn't have Ninja Turtles, you weren't cool at all. I, right? I was like, I, I, I wasn't band. cool, but I wouldn't have even had a chance. I had a van, yeah. I had the like sewer like hideout, I had yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. I had the turtle copter, I had exactly. uh, oh. the drop head the turtle. Blimp. Did you have yeah. the blimp? The I didn't have blimp. the blimp. Yeah. That blew up. Yeah, you know what? I love this film mostly just because I like the turtle movies. Like I really do. I, I think the first one is really, really good, actually. It's 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 I would say that this the sequel doesn't live up to how good the first one is. And for me, the first one will always be like the greatest Ninja Turtles property. But the the TV show and the cartoons were like my life. Like you would meet like with your bros. Like I was in kindergarten, you'd be like, "Yo, you guys watch Ninja Turtles?" Like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's like recess. You're like, "Yo, you guys want to play Ninja Turtles?" Like, oh, which yeah. one are you gonna be? Yeah. Oh, everyone wanted to be Michelangelo, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah cool, I'm Raphael." Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. I was I would always try to pick Raph as someone else would, so I'd end up being Leo. <laughs> but I don't mind Leo either. He's uh he's pretty cool, but yeah. Anyways, Kino comes back in. The bad guys are all beat up and tied up, and then we get a, a little cut, and we're introduced to April. There's some story stuff. She's like at home, and the turtles are living there, and they like get pizza, and they're playing like football with the pizza and stuff, and like you get this whole thing where she's like gonna kick them out, and yeah. So then Splinter kind of interjects himself and like has this sage. He's magically survived out of nowhere. Yeah. Like I love how it's like here's a creepy junkyard and look who's living in the junk still for like a week after we thought he was squished to be honest with you the reason why i'm kind of being devil's advocate like i watched this movie i'm pretty sure if you get squished in a garbage truck you're hella dead (laughs) like you're your shredder man not not if you're shredder yeah yeah but yeah i love like how they just took like (laughs) the most ridiculous concept of like turtles that got mutated by ooze and like ascribe like a japanese lore to it like there's a very like traditional japanese like well, samurai he's always like meditating and being like turtles line up yeah and he's like i have to give you some confucian advice and then they're like what yeah. dude yeah oh skateboard bro cowabunga and they just like, yeah that's, that's can... michelangelo yeah i honestly i don't know how people liked michelangelo because oh, i found a, him he, rather annoying he's the biodome of he's yeah the, he's the a biodome Shore. of the ninja Turtles. Yeah, that, the those Shore. are the people that enjoyed bios. <laughs> actually that's in my notes is that i'm like oh yeah like this makes sense now watching biodome yeah <laughs> the so 90s get... red hot chili peppers fan basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we get introduced to the professor who i call prof um for the rest of the show but uh april interviews him and the turtles are watching on tv and they don't like him and stuff and then anyways the guys find these huge dandelions and what caused that i don't know but shredder wants to know in order to crush his enemies and so uh we got to find out what caused these dandelions to get hella massive um and i love the one part in that scene brett sorry to cut you off no good good grabs the dandelion and like breaks it off and, and like it's clearly a giant dandelion and he like yep. smells it and he's like dandelion like first off like you can just look at it and tell it's a dandelion second yep. what does this guy go around smelling dandelions he can he can detect a dandelion by smell? <laughs> by scent yeah yeah like, well also too like my favorite thing is that guy is supposed to be like this like special agent for the foot like obviously the foot are super like stupid dumb like you know super stupid dumb like yeah it, 
They, like that's your main guy that you're infiltrating yeah. the nudes yeah. with the smelling dandelions dude yeah, yeah yeah but then coincidentally on the other side of the coin we have splinter who just had a meditative experience and now all of a sudden the turtles need to investigate the same thing to know their origin it's just some vandy very uh convenient and handy plot work with the whole tgri thing yeah and yeah, but bear the, in mind though, like it's it's a little it's yeah, it's very all very convenient. But six year old Phil is shitting his pants. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like Charles like, is like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, but especially I was gonna say well, one of the things ahead. I de- being devil's advocate now that I'm older, um, so when you look at the um the the the, the comic books, TGRI is actually the name for the aliens that leave they live in like these little brains and robots, and they didn't want to introduce that. Cause it was like too much like some of the other characters that we all know and love in the, the cartoon. And that makes yeah. me mad as like, now looking back as a fan, because you know what they should have did. There's a scene where Donatello's like, you know, I thought we were from something more important. Like I thought we were going to be something else. Yeah. yeah. You're, you were made by aliens. Yeah. <laughs> you well, actually, and, but this movie poops on that. And well, there's, there's an argument. Yeah. There's definitely an argument to be made that had, uh, had TGRI been like involved with like Krang and, you know, had the uh, which is how it the, should have ended. It should have been like Jordan Perry. He got like the thing, and he takes it back to Krang, and like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. like that would have been cool. But and and had it been Bebop and Rocksteady instead of the other two. Uh, yeah. Anyways. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna butt in with my devil's advocate about how yeah, this that's could have been better. <laughs> As a could have been better, but it it was what it was, and luckily Michael Bay uh, attempted to rectify that later in <laughs> later in our lives. Oh um, God. Anyways. There was a cool fight scene against the foot right after, which, like, going back to the six-year-old us just, like, being so stoked that we're going to get a, a fight really soon. Because I don't know about you guys, but that, for me, when I was a kid watching, like, I loved the martial arts scenes. Like, I was just into martial arts movies when I was a kid, and this was you just... Can't have, you can't have a wacky lab like that without some shenanigans in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what I love is the foot do this, like, ninja vanish and escape with a canister of the ooze, but only one. Yeah, the last There's one. <laughs> the very last one one line that stood out to me in that scene is right when they walk into that lab to get the ooze right before the fight starts it's all like crazy computers and stuff and michelangelo's like dude it's like video games in 3d where do you put the the quarter in (laughs) that's funny and then we get this scene back at april's where kino and this is some more convenient plot stuff he like goes to April's house and she's like, I didn't order a pizza. And he's like, no, but someone down the street or down 313. the hallway did. Yeah. And they're not Wait, home. Has, like, is he not familiar with the concept of food allergies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just an incredibly creepy, weird, and just uh, dangerous thing to do, frankly. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Get out. Um, no but then anyway you if you come to my door with free pizza i'm taking it yeah exactly well and that's the thing that that's exactly what he says he's like the person down the hall ordered it but they're not home so i figured since you order all the time i'll just leave it here and uh then he happens to see rap's foot and the gig is up now all of a sudden hey i like it um all of a sudden kino knows about the turtles and uh the one line i got there is when they're all telling him their names and then Michelangelo's, Michelangelo's like, all the good ones end in O. And then, like, Raph starts yeah. chasing him. I was like, man, like, six-year-old me, all about that. Yeah. Like, well, and six-year-old me was all about, like, kind of the next plot points, which was basically the same as, like, everything with the turtles. It's like, hey, uh, Splinter, we should do this thing 
that will help us defeat our enemy. And Splinter's like, no, we must do some <laughs> bullshit, ninjas. Well, and, and the op- on the opposite side of that, which I think is the whole point, is Shredder's willing to do anything I, to crush I get it, enemies. but they end up doing it anyways. Like, Kido and Raph go yeah. and find Shredder anyways, even though so, I, like, joined them. You know what I mean? Shredder, Shredder has the foot find, quote-unquote, the two most vicious animals they can find. And actually, like, speaking of, like, watching this as an adult now, one thing I thought, and I was just like, how does that go? Like, how do you just – you've been given an order – right and you're just a dude and you like wrangle up a couple of your buddy foot soldiers and you're like hey guys we have to go find the two most vicious animals we can find and like where do we start like who project manages that task like i I feel like though with like you look at a dude like shredder that's probably not the weirdest ask that he's ever had (laughs) no of his teammates but but still the sheer logistics of it are mind-boggling um like how does one find an animal well, you know? what are they even? Because like, snapping the, turtle, like a turtle, and what's a the snapping other one? turtle and like a golden uh, German shepherd, like an yeah, old German yeah, shepherd. Yeah, yeah. Shit. You find that out at the end. I was gonna wait to get there, but uh, I feel spoiler like they, alert! I feel like they like could have went to a zoo and got like a cougar and like a yeah, manatee, a wolverine or something. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't seen this movie in so long that I forgot that it wasn't Bebop and Rocksteady. That made me and so it mad. let me down all over again. All over again. <laughs> yeah, that that is one thing I will say even on the original watch I remember being like, "What? Who are these guys?" Like yeah. I'm just going to pretend they're Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, just not the same. It's and a pig nope. in the in what is like Bebop and Rocksteady is a pig in a uh, rhinoceros, a, and, rhinoceros a, yeah. and a warthog, yeah. And a warthog. And like that's way more dangerous and scary. Like they like then Or like a boar or something. But anyways, um yeah, then we get the sewer argument with Raph and Leo and Raph leaves. The other guys magically find an abandoned subway station, which with becomes their like with new lights hang out like and the lighting it's like it's so perfectly lit and you know i'm just I, like i feel like there's a backstory there where they just kicked the shit out of a bunch of bums and, like, took that area. <laughs> but the thing that i always uh, wonder about the ninja turtles is like like you guys you guys are are living in shit like yeah. actual feces and urine and like how do you find a subway in the sewer and if yeah. like how do you not ever have poop on you yeah yeah well like we don't every know one of their bandanas should just be brown <laughs> we don't know that they don't have poop um but yeah then we get some fun hijinks with uh april on the phone with donnie and then we find out that the two vicious animals like because they've been oozified for lack of a better term they're babies like their their intellect is and we don't realize it till after spoiler spoiler <laughs> alert they were made babies intentionally by the professor jordan perry um, he like name. altered he altered the ooze to diminutize their intellect so that they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't be these uh these death machines for shredder but anyways well um, i mean like you meet a guy like shredder you're like you know what probably shouldn't give him some deadly animals yeah <laughs> um well and the funny thing is the shredder like wants to have them destroyed when he finds that they're babies <laughs> he's like he's like take them out destroy them and then the yeah. prof like convinces him to keep them alive but um then, yeah, we get Kino infiltrating the foot with Raph as sort of like his informer. Like, the, he, he's the informant, and Raph's is like his, uh, his reporting officer or whatever you would call that. The thing but, is, uh, is that, like, that was just a terrible plan because, like, he's like, okay, you go in, 
and infiltrate these guys and i'm just actually gonna follow you and hide behind yeah well you that's the yeah. thing i know when that scene is first starting i'm like okay raf's gonna be like you know it's gonna be proper espionage he's gonna like find an escape plan and like go report to raf on the sides it's like nope first time there's smoke up raf like comes in and takes all the bells well, off the he thing does report him. back to raf and raf's in there with him like I what know. was the point of i know that? it's so dumb like why can't you just be like okay keto like after you get in and we get you in just say you gotta like go get a sandwich or like you gotta go see your ma <laughs> yeah. and like i'll see you down at the, the sandwich shop i'll be in the back because i look like a fucking giant turtle <laughs> yeah um, and so i'll be hiding out because i'm kind of noticeable <laughs> and you, you let you let me know yeah. where they are okay cool. i'll be over here i'll be the giant turtle in a trench coat just <laughs> look for me um that smells yeah, then, like human excrement <laughs> yeah then we get the fight scene in the junkyard and one note i have here is that the filmmaking in this movie is actually good like the the camera work especially for the action scenes and stuff is all done really well whether whether you like Love it was a twenty-five million dollar movie, you know. They got they went from thirteen mil to twenty-five mil after the first one was out. They're like, "Hey, people like these these weird looking turtle." Well, and, and they're kind of like, "You could probably do anything with this franchise and get away with it." <laughs> yeah. Pretty well, they much. also they they scaled down the violence and everything too. They really wanted mm-hmm. to make this. I think you actually touched on it too, Terrell, is that they wanted to make this one a lot more family. They don't use any weapons. Oh, yeah. That's the first. No, movie, the only always- thing uh, Leonardo busts out his swords. And the only thing he stabs is a ceiling. He just yeah. stabs the ceiling right away. And that's like, yeah, they don't use the weapons at all. Yeah. In the first movie, they stab people left, right, and center. Well, and, <laughs> and this this movie, one thing I will say is it was sadly lacking in some Casey Jones, too. Yes. Oh, big time. Like, how, where did he go? Him and April just were like, hey, you know what? Turns out I don't madly love you. He's around, but... <laughs> We didn't, we didn't get any. Um, so, yeah, the foot traps Raph. Kino escapes, tells the other guys, and we get some action there. Um, but then the guys come to save Raph. Shredder traps him in a net. And then Splinter saves the day with a bow and arrow. So there was a weapon there. But what does he hit? He hits the string, and it lets the net loose. And, yeah. Um, we get another foot scene. And uh, the thing about Toka and Razor, they, like – they whoop their asses in that fight scene and the turtles like peace out. They're like, I, I can't take these guys. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, like we're these guys are way stronger than four of us who can beat up like fifty normal dudes. <laughs> what yeah. gets me about that scene though is like when the turtles are peacing out down the sewer, mm-hmm. uh, there's a truck between them and the bad guys, which mm-hmm. is apparently like this impassable object. Like I don't know if you've seen like the Dukes of Hazard before uh ninja guys but you can slide across the hood of a vehicle that's parked very easily Mm -hmm. and uh and like it literally stops like probably about 50 people including how how are we going to get around this they they Um, use the giant animals as i call them to like rip apart the truck so that they can jump over it like why not just jump over it in general well they rip it apart so they can just walk go around it yeah Yeah. Yeah, it's a um, very the plot is very loosey goosey. Well, this movie. well, and and speaking of that, like plot wise, this is supposed to be like the low point in the story where typically the hero character will have to lick their wounds and start their redemption arc, and instead we get Prof making an anti ooze formula with a turkey baster and household appliances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, it it is cheese and everything, and there are a lot of very yeah, convenient plot devices, but still. Six-year-old Phil is still shitting his pants. This <laughs> oh yeah! Thing. My favorite part is when Raph is rescued, you know, by his dear brothers. You know, mm-hmm. second time, the first time he was rescued, he pretty much died in a farmhouse, and they revived yeah. him. This time, he gets saved from getting impaled 
the first thing he says he's like he gets down in their new hideout and he's like and i thought all the really good dungeons were in europe and he like licks up some dust like bro you're a giant turtle and you live in shit (laughs) while you got it you know what i mean you've never been to europe (laughs) yeah like you this just is fa- actually this is creating this whole new narrative or yeah. a whole new layer of ninja turtles where i realize that they would because turtles that don't live in shit smell bad yeah. like i can only imagine T- and, and european ones at that like it's just another layer right tmnt raf goes to europe but um yeah so <laughs> one thing i'll say is like we we cover a lot of nostalgia on this show and occasionally as we saw with two princes it goes wrong and we get uh, an absolute like shit storm of of a piece of media that we have Perfect to deal song. with and uh but this one for all its faults that we can go back and see like the nostalgia is so strong it's so, because it's still a good movie six-year-old me loved it so much and the fight scenes still hold up entirely and for me yeah. it was always more a martial arts movie than anything it was just martial arts with turtles like i was like well, yes the next best scene is like my favorite scene is like where shredder releases toka and ragnar to destroy like this set in town and they're yeah. they the, the, the old guy the lady like turned they're like what if those animals come over here just let them get their own cab yeah, <laughs> yeah. like only a new yorker would be like well, that, yeah that's fine. yeah well, look, I know New York used to be uh, like a lot rougher back in the day, but damn, like, yeah. like oh, get their own cab, crazy mutant. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I just find it funny that like the turtles just escaped, but now all of a sudden they have to meet their demands or Shredder's going to unleash the animals in Central Park. <laughs> it's just like, it's like all right, here we now? go. But the best, the best part, and you guys can disagree with me all you want, but for me, the best part of the movie comes next, and it's this weird dance fight. <laughs> yeah it's like yes. this, there's a first you're like okay they're gonna feed those scary guys donuts and it's gonna be a fight yeah. with all the guys and there's gonna be jumping and cool stuff because they're in this construction yeah. building but then they get pushed through the wall into a freaking vanilla ice concert yeah yes. go ninja go ninja go. <laughs> and he writes a song on the bat uh, off the bat uh, uh, like, yeah it, and it's just it's ridiculous like the part that really ruined it for me as an adult was when they did a choreographed dance number out of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> to a song that they were making they, up as, oh, they, were as, they, were as they were going. Man, they were just way more talented in the 80s, and that's all. <laughs> like, yeah, like this is the point where this movie about mutant ninja teenager ninjas uh, goes batshit crazy at this yeah. point when Vanilla Ice, a real person, shows up. See, the yeah. way that I would review this movie is that imagine you were on a slide and you're like a little kid again. And you jump on the slide and you're going, you're like, wee. But then you see ahead of you is there's a little streak of shit. And then you get into the streak of shit. And then as, as, by the time you get down to the end of the slide, it's just poo. Like, it's just like a pool of poo. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little harsher than I would go for. Dude, but it, it, it goes into vanilla ice, into the yeah. dance number. And then it, they, they like, Shredder decides to um, take a hostage and they, he loses the ooze. But then yeah, well, what happens is Kino kicks it out of his hand and then he falls and turns into Super Shredder. No, no, there's, there, dude, there's a whole bunch of stuff before that. For one, the, the cubes of the anti-ooze aren't working, but coincidentally, <laughs> CO2 speeds up the process. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, there's a fire extinguisher handy. Sorry, and- I forgot about that massive plot hole to mention that one too sorry yeah yeah well and the thing is like the dance fight gets even weirder and that's that's why i wanted to go here because like after kino leaves april to come join the fight it turns into a whole stage performance like (laughs) and and the thing about that is like the turtles 
like they were a stage act like beyond the movies they like, had a whole yes. cd and everything yeah those animatronic turtles performed live on stage with instruments and stuff like multiple yeah, they, they times man yeah they went on tour yeah. Yeah. They, yeah they were bigger than like a movie or or anything and i Walk i think Talk yeah. this way. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of like stage performance, though, man, is that medium forever changed? Like, think we're ever gonna have like stage shows again? Like, that's gonna be a while. But the thing I was trying to point out, anyway. trying to make, Brad, is that you do end up in a pool of shit. Like, cause it's like them on stage, and Kino kicks away with his martial arts, which is kind of cool. Not, not gonna lie. And and then Michelangelo pulls out a freaking guitar and blows. Shredder. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, what I have here. I have. Uh oh, Shredder has the use, but he is no match for the all caps guitar. Yeah, like if I if if I'm gonna say too, like if you imagine this from like the people that are in the, in this club beforehand, it's uh, a you know, show. attending a, a a vanilla ice concert, which was the style at the time. Uh, you're just normal, and then monsters monsters explode through the wall. And are fighting using martial arts, and and then uh, and then it ends up with like the monsters on stage doing a synchronized dance. Like it's just, it's just like even like it would be really worth the like, thirty bucks. You know what, guys? This is a little much. <laughs> it, yeah. I think I, I would pay for a ticket for that. Like that's yeah, a really like great show. But the not, real winners, the real yeah, winners you here. You know what you're getting. <laughs> the real winners here are the people that were there. Um, yeah. But yeah, the turtles think they've won. But look out, Shredder has drank. How was the oh. Vanilla Ice concert? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's drank the whole tube of ooze that he conveniently extracted from the canister at some some point during the movie that we didn't see, and now he's Super Shredder. And here's the here's my biggest gripe with the movie. So. In the last movie, when they fought Shredder, it was like the climax of the movie. You, you mm-hmm. got like this desperate feeling where you were like, turns out they're not so super powered mutant ninja turtles as we thought. They're, they need some more mutant ooze because like, they can't beat this human. And in this movie, the guy gets the ooze and just beats himself up. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, that, it actually makes sense because the prof had altered the ooze so that it made them dumber. So all that Super Shredder did was decide he was going to try to kill them all, including himself. Which, side note, Super Shredder was Kevin Nash, who's a wrestler. And I know Wade, our our one devoted listener, is a wrestling fan. So just, like, shout out Kevin Nash. But uh, anyways, yeah, Shredder's, like, trying to kill them all, including himself, right? But all of a sudden, they... really stupid. Like, even even Toka and Razor weren't dumb enough to just try to kill themselves. (laughs) But, yeah, Phil, what's up? I also, two things. So, uh, first off, how did his armor grow? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, his armor grows and turns way more pointy and super shreddery. Mm-hmm. Like, thank, frankly, like, if, if his armor didn't grow, they would have just been like, oh, it's a big shredder. Maybe, you know, but, maybe uh, his armor drank the ooze too, Phil. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Maybe it's in a deleted scene or something. But uh, also, so getting crushed in the back of a dump truck did not kill regular Shredder, but a, some fucking wood falls off. A little bit of debris kills yeah. Super Shredder. And, and the thing is, is, the turtles just like ploop up because with their like turtley power, they just swim away. I guess like no, no, they realized they were turtles, so they scooched into their shells and they survived the collapsed building. But That's what Super I'm saying. Shredder, like they just not. use their turtley shells and get away. Like yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, and the thing is, I would like to say that there's some like massive comeback here, but there's not. That's when the turtles win, and we get to a point where they're celebrating. In the oh, sorry, there was like 
Shredder's hand came out, and they're all like, no way, no way. he's actually way. dead this time. And he was actually dead. Um, so it was like a very anticlimactic one. But anyways, then there's the celebration in the sewer, and we get some uh, Splinter kind of letting letting the letting the robe out a little bit and <laughs> he gets some uh, go ninja go ninja go action and then we get some stereo backflips from the turtles and a freeze frame mid backflip to finish us off and then sweet music starts and the credits roll and you know what six-year-old me is so happy at this point and 34-year-old me is also happy at this point so fair enough fair enough yeah it's like six-year-old me was like really stoked but also sad because I wanted more Ninja Turtles. And yeah. uh, my parents were probably also stoked because that meant I was going to want a lot more Ninja Turtle toys. Right, yeah. right. You, you know what? Honestly, though, like, the Ninja Turtles meant a lot to me growing up. I, I, yeah. I almost died and was in a coma and basically awoke to my family, like, with all these Ninja Turtle toys. And I feel like I only woke up because they, they bought me a bunch of cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I tell them anyways. I'm like, hey, yeah. I'd be dead if you don't buy me stuff. um but uh old stuff forever old terrell finds that this movie has i can't as like a film critic like with good conscience uh not point out the gaping sagging plot holes as this movie develops (laughs) oh yeah like and like let's face it even if you are a fan of ninja turtles which i am like i truly am i feel like my main gripe about this movie is that the first one is just so good and then this one has like just like the opposite, like I wanted Shredder to die in a cool way, not with like a little, uh, like a little, like a little. Like, oh, he knocked a dock off. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. Like, we gotta contact the contractor on that. Like, that was a hazard. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, thank goodness yeah. it was a bad guy it took out. But uh, yeah, it's just it, the one thing I do have to I have to say about this movie, which we haven't really talked about in depth is like the actual the, the, like the costumes that the turtles oh they're have. amazing it's absolutely yeah. incredible like if you've never seen it wade uh i'm sure you have <laughs> but uh like it's just it, it's better than cgi like yeah. in each in every single way like the actual like animatronics going on in the masks and stuff like that's all you know uh puppetry like remote uh remote puppetry uh it's just it's some of the most incredible uh animatronics and puppetry and uh and costume design i think ever seen in film it it is so good and like that's the thing that bothers me about it because like visually and like the the medium that it's based upon which is the ninja turtles like my big beef with it is it always goes back to like the first movie was done so good why couldn't you actually do like a real sequel to that? Not like a sequel for kids. Like now yeah. that I'm an adult, I get it. Like as a kid, I really love that movie. And I still like Brett has, and Brett's going to yeah. die on this hill. Like he's like, yo, I love it then. I love it now. And I totally respect that because like from our age group, that was like the best. But now yeah. that, I'm a, um, that I'm an adult, I feel like that the first movie, when I watch it again, is like really sick. But the second movie is not for sure. as But sick. I would, I would <laughs> defy you to find a martial arts movie that has like a riveting plot or an Academy Award winning <laughs> storyline and you'd be hard pressed to find one. And this is no different. Kill and Bill. that's how I've always seen yeah, this yeah, movie yeah. and, and Turtles movies in general is like, what's that? Uh, Kill, Kill Bill, Bill and Kill Bill 2. Those are, those are ones I'd throw out there. <laughs> Could have made okay. it a little more like Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I, won one of, I think I won a few Academy Awards. You Awesome. Want, you, <laughs> 
You want Ninja Turtles to be like Kill Bill, is what you're saying? No, I would actually I'm not be pretty that cool. That at all. That would be pretty. That'd be cool like the though. comics. I feel like they should redo it. Like, don't do it for kids anymore. Do it like the comics. Like, do it like if actually turtles turned into mutants and were ninjas and had to survive. Yeah. Like against this enemy that hated them. Like, do that. Like, but make badass yeah. costumes again, because like that's the one thing. The costumes like, are movie, so sick. Yeah. It's just like it's it it's because you know we grew up with the cartoons and the toys, and when you saw this movie as a kid, and it even looks as amazing. an adult, you're like, that looks like the Ninja Turtles, not yeah. like the Ninja Turtles if they were in real life. Like, it looks like the yeah, cartoons. It, it looks like the toys that you have, you know, uh, like yeah. in your sandbox. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's just, I've never seen an animated uh, 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 live action adapt, or sorry, a live action adaptation of an animated film done so well. Yeah. One I of the agree. critics that I, I read that I wrote down was, uh, it was from like Rotten Tomatoes. I just it just made me laugh. It's like not only is the movie's juvenile dialogue unbearable for adults, but the turtles' dopey and casual attitude towards physical violence make them poor kids' role models. Oh come <laughs> on! Yeah, and, I think that that's a lame review, I, and that's I know, why I I tend to uh, like I I may go and check out some online stuff uh, after this, um, but generally before we actually record these, I I just. I go, I go it alone, man. I watch the movie, I make my notes, and then I form my opinion. All the reviews I, are bad. Just I don't stray. I don't stray. Just from let it. you know ahead of time. That's great. I love what other people think so much, but you know what I like more? What I think, and I think this movie was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Nice, nice. And we've reached that point. Uh, this movie for me, uh, I, I would. It, it definitely did not hold up as well watching it because i hadn't watched this movie since i was a little kid you know sure. um and it was still awesome to be honest with you i was a little bit uh disappointed i think actually i might have been the one that recommended this particular one or maybe you did brett or or just went I, along with it because he had I, a DVD. I think it yeah i think but, uh, like collectively we chose yeah, two it is but, a cool movie but uh it, i was in like, hindsight I, we we should sorry to interrupt but in hindsight we should have probably chose one but yes. we didn't yeah so. see i had it in my head that the the second one was the better one but it really is the other way around that being yeah. said i still it was still great to like get into that you know that little piece of my childhood back yeah uh watching this movie but uh, it definitely it lost a little bit of its uh of its luster for me sure. um but uh, yeah i'll give it i you know i'll give it like a uh i'll give it a 6.5 there you go yeah, I'm just going to leave it at 6.9. That's what I'm going to say. Nice. For nostalgia reasons. I'm actually surprised you gave it a better mark than Phil. Um, well, that's going to do it for us for this week. So uh, be sure to check out our social media pages at the Stoners POV on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, for Terrell and Phil, I'm Brett. And uh, this was the Stoners Point of View. So we'll see you next week. Au revoir. Bye-bye. I'm Michelangelo. The Donatello. I'm Raphael. Yeah, all the good ones and you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lives of two people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world, Elsa. That's why you're getting on that plane.